Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Great, fantastic day to be together. Uh, so my name is John Garcia. I'm the youth director and young adult director here. So usually I hang out with students. I'm not a student, but I hang out with the students. So just clarifying that. Um, today we're actually going to continue our series in the book of Mark. Uh, what's really interesting, though, is last time that I spoke, I also talked about uh, when Jesus was on the water, uh, when he calmed the storm. And today I'm going to talk about again when Jesus was on the water and he calmed a storm, which is a little different than the last one, but it's still the same thing. I don't know why I get all the Jesus on water stories, but I'll take it. So maybe if there's another one in Mark, maybe you'll see me again. And this is also a plug for our Sunday swim, so, um, let's, uh, <laughs> which will be really great to see you there. Uh, which is really interesting because there are some differences or some similarities between the last time we talked about when Jesus uh, was in a boat with, with his disciples on the sea, and then there was a wild wind and a crazy storm. And in that time, there are some similarities that we're going to talk about today. And if you've been to church for a while, you kind of know the story when Jesus walked on water. And so there are some similarities to each of those uh, stories, and we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about what Jesus has for us within the text of Mark chapter 6. Some similarities I'm not really going to hit on, but they're totally there, is Jesus led the disciples into the distress, just like we talked about last time. Uh, Jesus saved the disciples or his people when they cried out, and Jesus brings peace in the midst of our storms. And so although those are fantastic points, we're not necessarily going to focus on those today as we kind of uh, go through the book of Mark. So if you have your Bible or your mobile devices, if you want to open up to Mark chapter 6, it'll also be on the screen for you as well. Uh, Before we jump into the text, it's good to know uh, what happened before. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Shannon was talking as he was uh, talking about the book of Mark. Uh, Right before this uh, story, Jesus just got done feeding uh, the 15,000 people, or said 5,000 men, but then do some math. So throughout today, we're going to say he fed 15,000 people. Uh, So he just did that. His disciples served them, and so now he's kind of tired, and so here's the aftermath. And we're going to start in verse 45 in chapter 6, and we're going to go through about seven verses. So if you hang out with me for seven verses, we're going to find out what God has for us today. Starting in verse 45, it says this. Immediately, which is, by the way, Mark's favorite word in his gospel, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. So although we talked about this one already, it's really good to know within the context of the story is that God takes us to places to test our faith. We're going to read, spoiler alert, I'm really sorry. We're going to read in a few minutes how when the disciples are out in the sea by themselves, uh, kind of the wind picks up and they're a little scared and they're a little terrified. They're not sure what's going to happen. What's really interesting to note is that Jesus takes us to places to test our faith. Uh, James chapter 1 verses 2 to 3 say this. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. A lot of the times we're in spaces and places because God is testing our faith. And then it continues in verse 4 and it says this, but let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes we go through the trials in our lives because God wants to test our faith. God wants to refine our faith. 
He wants to mature us, make us complete, and not lack anything. Because mature faith breeds mature faith. Those who have strong faith, it's our job or their job to encourage people who are walking along life, right? To be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so in this context, in this story, we're going to learn that Jesus tests the disciples' faith. Have you ever been in a test of your faith? You weren't sure if you were going to make it. You weren't sure if you are going to get through, if you were going to pay a bill, if so-and-so was going to be healthy, what school you were going to go to, who you were going to marry, right? what you're going to do, where you're going to move, where you're going to live, where you're going to retire. A lot of these things are the testing of our faith so that through the testing, we might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And what's really interesting is through my trials, if I reflect on my life, I saw Jesus bigger and bolder was when my faith was tested than when everything was easy. Isn't that, isn't that true? Oftentimes we see Jesus in bigger and better ways when our faith is tested. So sometimes it feels like, God, this is too much. This is too heavy. This has been going on for too long. I can't do it today. And as we're going to read in the story and what our message is about is Jesus who sees us in our spaces and places in our lives that Jesus sees us. In verse 46, it says this, after leaving them, so he sent his disciples out into the lake, go ahead and cross over by yourself. You guys go ahead and do that. But then it says, after leaving them, Jesus went up to a mountainside to pray. Our first one is this, is to spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Right? We all hear it. We know it. You don't need me to say it, but sometimes we do. And here Jesus sends the disciples away so he could pray to God. What's interesting is in the book of Mark, there are three accounts of when Jesus did this. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. says, very early in the morning while still dark, Jesus got up, left the place, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Here he sends his disciples off and he chooses to pray. And the third time is when he's in the garden right before his betrayal, and he's praying. Jesus needed to refuel in order to do what he was doing. In order for us, as followers of Jesus, we need to refuel in order to do what God has called us to do. John chapter 15, verse 5 says this, I am the vine, this is Jesus talking, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He who abides in me and I in him, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus understood as he lived a life as a man, laying down, right, who he was and living a life of a servant, he understood the importance of staying connected to God, to himself, to God the Father. He knew how important that was. And in the same way, we ourselves, when we're going through trials, when we're going through things, when we're going through storms, when we feel like we're alone, when we feel like Jesus can't, doesn't see us, doesn't hear us, doesn't care about us, fill in the blank, we need to be spending time with him. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But oftentimes, we think apart from Jesus, we can do everything. Apart from Jesus, I can figure it out on my own, use my own intelligence, use my own strengths, my charisma, my good looks, my job, whatever it is. Apart from Jesus, we can do everything. But it says apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. 
And what's also interesting is here Jesus had to give up something that was good in order to experience something that was better. What did Jesus do? He sent his disciples away, and then he spent time with his father. He had to say no to something in order to say yes to something. Oftentimes, me, most definitely, I say yes to too many things that pull me away from Jesus. Things that don't draw me near to him, things that don't let me experience him, I am drawn away from Christ. Recently in my own life, there were two things that I had to cut out because they were just draining me from spending time with Jesus. One of those things was Facebook. I don't know who else can relate to the Facebook grind, but sometimes you're on there for hours and you realize that you've done nothing, right? Or whatever other social platform you've used. So uh, this past week on Wednesday, I know maybe some kids are like, Facebook, that's for old people. But it's not, okay? It's for everybody. Um, And so on Wednesday, uh, the iPhone does a really great thing, but most of us ignore it. You know how, like, you get the notification and it tells you how much time you're spending doing what activity? Who ignores that notification, by the way? Yeah. Why do we ignore it? Because it's too convicting. It's just too convicting. So whatever. So I ignored it, but this one time I thought, hey, I'm going to look at it. In a span of four days, I spent 6.5 hours on Facebook. That's a long time. What am I doing on there? I love you guys, but I don't care enough about what's going on, right, to be on Facebook six and a half hours. Like, what is happening? And it was just such a time waster. And so I had to think, although I enjoy it, because I love seeing what's going on. I love connecting with people online. I love commenting. I love to hear their updates, where they're going, what they're doing, to stay connected. But at the end of, at the, end of the day, whatever is taking up my time, if I'm spending more time on social than I am with Jesus— then whatever that thing is has too much equity in my life. And so I have to decide at some point, am I going to give Jesus my time or am I going to give blank my time? In the same way that Jesus left his disciples to spend time with God, sometimes we need to say no to things that are good in order to experience something that is better, that's going to draw us near to Jesus, that's going to focus our relationship with him. There's a quote by uh, this person named Corey Tenboom, and it says this, don't pray when you feel like it, Make an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. It says, don't pray when you feel like it, but make an appointment with the Lord and keep it. As you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, we have something called prayer in the sanctuary, where it's 12 to 1, just a quick hour. Uh, We come, uh, we praise Jesus, we pray, then we pray again. Uh, We've been doing it for I don't know how long, maybe six months or so, a long time, Um, I kind of didn't go because on Tuesdays is my busy day. Like Tuesdays is youth group day, so I always have a lot of things going on to prepare for that day. But really, that was kind of an excuse to not go and to not pray. And so one day I decided, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to pray and I'm going to be with the people that are praying. And it was one of the best decisions that I made that day because I made time for Jesus. But we're not always going to have time for him. We need to take time. We need to figure out in our lives, what are we going to say no to? The thing that Jesus has been convicting us about for months or for weeks or for years to give up and say no to, that's good and is great and gives us happiness sometimes in order to experience something that is deeper and that is better. And so I invite you and encourage you to join us for prayer on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1. Um, If you're not doing anything, if you're not busy, come and experience that time with Christ.
Let's go ahead and continue the story. He sends his disciples off. Jesus prays. Verse 47, it says this. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake that the disciples were on, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So a crazy wind picked up. They're struggling. They're trying to stay afloat. They're not trying to go overboard. And it says, shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. There's your picture. Jesus is on the land. He sees his disciples. He sends them out in order to test their faith, in order to have them experience a little deeper on who he is, and he sends them out. Then two things happen when he's on the shore and they're on the boat struggling. Two things. The first thing is Jesus sees them. That's exactly what it says. right? He saw the disciples straining. And then it says he went out to them. Jesus saw them, and then he went out to them. Our second point today in our text is Jesus sees you. Here's the picture of the disciples. Right now, it's about 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. They just got done with a full days of work feeding 15,000 people. They're wet. They're physically exhausted. They're tired. They're frustrated at each other because there has to be one disciple that isn't, like, uh, rowing more than the other disciples, right? There's, like, one that's kind of lagging it. They're a little frustrated at him, right? They're, they're frustrated that Jesus sent them out there. They're frustrated that they even listened to Jesus by sending them out there. All these things are happening at 3 a.m. as they're trying to struggle and get to the other side of the boat. And so I don't know what your circumstances is. I don't see it. I don't know it. I haven't heard of it. But whatever it is, God sees you. God sees you and he knows and he is with you. My five favorite words in the book of Matthew, they come from Matthew chapter 28. And it says, I am with you always. I am with you always. It doesn't say I am with you when you're faithful. It doesn't say I am only with you if you came to church on Sunday. I'm only with you if you're connected in a small group. I'm only with you if you tithe today. Right? It doesn't say any of that. It says, I am with you always. Jesus sees you. In those places that you don't think that he sees you, he does. And he knows you and he knows what's going on. And he loves you and he cares for you. Just like our two points. He saw his disciples and then he went to them. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that at our next point. But what's also interesting is Jesus sees them, but he doesn't go right away. Like Jesus sees them struggling, and he's kind of a far distance away from them. He doesn't go right away. In another gospel, it says that they were about three miles away. So picture that. Jesus is at shore. The boat is three miles away. Um, I don't know about you, but an average mile, if you walked an average mile, does anybody know how long that would take? About 15 minutes, exactly. Gladys is smarter than Google. Google said 15 minutes. That is correct. So if they're about three miles away, he's standing on shore, and it says Jesus went to them, meaning he walked on water. Three miles, 15 times three, math, I know, about 45 minutes to an hour. I don't know if Jesus walked the whole way. I don't know if he did instant transmission and he just appeared next to them. I don't know if he jogged. I don't know if he moonwalked. I don't know what he did, right? But he got to them. So although he saw them, he didn't get to them right away. Oftentimes in our own lives, because we live in a culture of immediate, we want Jesus to fix our circumstances right at this moment. Right now, right here, right after I prayed one time about it. And if God doesn't do it, he isn't good. 
Or if God doesn't do it, he doesn't love me. Or if God doesn't do it when I want him to do it, he doesn't see me, right? But yet Jesus took the time to walk to his disciples. And what's also interesting is he saw them. Every day I go on walks in order for me not to get hit by a car, I'm always watching where I'm going. In order to get to where you want to go, you have to be watching. Is that not correct? In order for Jesus to walk in the correct direction of the disciples, he had to be watching them. Although he walked maybe the 45 an hour minutes or instant transmission or whatever he did, but he saw them and he walked towards them and he had to be locked on them, which is really interesting. But yet Jesus didn't act right away. There's a verse in John chapter 16, verse 33, and this is Jesus talking. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome it. Peace is not the absence of difficulties. Peace is difficulties, but the presence of Christ. Oftentimes we think, because I'm still going through this, God cannot be good or God is not with me. But remember what James said, right? Let perseverance finish its work. So you may mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? Consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith will develop perseverance. So although he doesn't act right away, and whatever your circumstances is, financial, health, physical, mental, spiritual, whatever it is, God sees that. And just because he's not acting at this moment doesn't mean he doesn't care, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. But it does mean that he wants to show himself to you in deeper and bigger ways. So keep seeking him. Let's continue on. So they are out at land. He's walking to them. And verse 48, which is really interesting, it says this. Jesus was about to pass them by, was about to pass by them. What is going on here? Like if Jesus is going to his disciples, why would he like inconspicuously try to walk around them or by them? Maybe he was trying to race them. Maybe that's why he did the storm. Who knows? But he tried to pass them by. But you got to ask why would Jesus, he was about to pass them by. Why would that be? And so I, I don't know. So I read a whole bunch of commentators that try to tell me exactly why. And I think it boils down to this. Because he needed his disciples and us, the eventual readers, to make a decision on who Jesus was. Good teachers don't walk on water. Crazy people claim to have walked on water, but never did. The person who actually does walk on water calms the storm, chills the sea. There's something different about that person. So why did he walk on water? Because he wanted to reveal himself to the disciples in big ways. I don't know if you know the story, but there's a story called the Transfiguration. And in this story, Jesus takes three of his disciples and they go up to a mountain. And on the mountain, Jesus reveals himself to them. And, and two people from heaven come uh, with Jesus and he's having a conversation with them. And three disciples see it and they glorify Christ and they learn something deep about him. In this story, it's kind of like the transfiguration, but instead of three disciples, it's 12 disciples. And all 12 disciples see him walking on water. He wanted them to really get it. He's not just a guy. He's the guy who fed the 15,000. He is the guy who walks on water. 
which is really interesting. Let's continue with verse 49. It says this. But when they saw Jesus walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Let's be honest. Who do you, which disciple do you think called out that he was a ghost first? We're just going to be honest. Which disciple do you think that is? Maybe Judas, maybe Peter. But one of them had to say ghost, and all of them were like, yeah, ghost, ghost, ghost. That's definitely a ghost, right? Like somebody had to first call that out, but they were all terrified. They thought that he was a ghost. They weren't sure what's going on. They see him walking by, and they call out to him. And our third point is this. Often we don't recognize Jesus when he shows up in our lives. I'm going to tell you a story, and we've all heard the story. There's a story, and this is a fake story, I'm sure. There's a story of this man. There was a flood. He's alone in a city. He's on the roof of his home, and he cries out to God, God, come save me, come save me. God sends a boat to go rescue him. The boat comes. We're here to rescue you. No, no, no. Go away. God's going to save me. Boat leaves. Again, God sends a helicopter. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. No, 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 no. God has me. Get out of here. The helicopter leaves. One last boat comes. It says, this is the last boat. <clears throat> Once we're gone, we're gone. We're, <laughs> this is it. The guy says, no, go ahead and leave. God's going to save me. He kept praying to God. God save me. God save me. He eventually died. He goes to heaven and he has a conversation with God. God, why didn't you save me? Why didn't you save me? God says, what do you mean why didn't I save you? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What do you mean? But oftentimes we don't recognize Jesus when he shows up in our lives because he doesn't look like what we want him to look like when he shows up in our lives. Two quick stories I want to share with you. As you know, I grew up with my grandma. Uh, a few years ago she passed away. We were in the hospital, and, and at some point we needed to make a decision uh, whether or not they were going to re resuscitate her or we were going to let her pass and be with Jesus. In that moment, my prayer and hope was that God was going to save my grandma. Lord, save my grandma. You are good. You are great. You are strong. Show your goodness by healing my grandma and giving me a few more years. That is not what happened. My grandma passed away and went with Jesus. Jesus showed up, gave my grandma peace, but I didn't recognize it at first because it's not what I wanted it to look like. When I was younger, four years old, I grew up with, uh, I lived with my parents in Los Angeles up until four years old, until one day uh, my parents decided to uh, drink a little too much alcohol and be uh, a little too physical in, uh, with me and my siblings. And on that day, I'll never forget it, it's it's in my brain forever. Um, as they, my parents were arguing, as they were yelling, as they were getting mad at each other, as the police were called, uh, my grandma showed up. My grandma showed up. She got me and my two siblings, put us in the car, and drove us away. And that was the last time I lived with my mom. As a young kid, I think, God, you can't be good because all of this has happened. But because Jesus didn't show up how I thought he was going to show up, didn't mean that he didn't show up. In hindsight, as an adult now, I look back at that moment, and I consider that a miracle. I consider that one of the greatest things that God has ever done for me. Because in the area that I was living, in the life that I was going to get into, it was not going to be pretty. It was not going to be good. It was going to be a road paved with misery and difficulty and pain and tears. And in that moment, as a four-year-old, I did not understand that God is good. But because Jesus didn't show up how I wanted him to show up, 
I didn't recognize them. But still, Jesus showed up in my life. And so whatever your circumstance and whatever you're going through, try your best to recognize Christ in the ways that he is showing up. Because the reality is, is that Christ is showing up. He has showed up, he will show up, he is showing up, and he'll continue to show up as we get older and as we grow and mature in our faith. The story continues. Remember, he tries to walk past them. Oh, this is a ghost, this is a ghost. Verse 50, immediately, again, Mark's favorite word. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. <clears throat> I don't know about you, when people say don't be blank, usually I am that thing, right? Don't be afraid, you're afraid, right? Okay, how many, how many kids have said this? Don't be mad. Don't be mad. Parents, were you like automatically just not mad anymore? No. Uh, there was one time in high school when I was wrestling, <clears throat> and it was when I almost, uh, uh, anyway, I got hit in the eye, and my eye was bleeding, and I almost went blind, but thank the Lord that I didn't. And I was in the hospital, and I call Sarah, and I tell her, don't freak out. <laughs> but I'm in the hospital. Do you think she freaked out? Yeah, she freaked out. So it's interesting that Jesus says, don't be afraid. They were all afraid. Verse 51, and continues on, it says this. Then Jesus climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Really interesting here. He got into the boat. The wind died down. They were completely amazed. And then they make a note that says they had not understood about the loaves. Jesus showed his power just hours ago that he had power over nature, over what is seen, where he made a few pieces of bread into many and he fed 15,000. Here he reveals himself that he has power over nature and the elements, that he can walk on water. And more than walk on water, he can, he can uh, calm the storm. So when it says they had not understood the loaves, they didn't really see Jesus for who Jesus was. When he fed all those people with bread from heaven, what he's really saying is, I am the bread of life that the Father gives to all people. In me, you will never thirst or never hunger again. When he walks on water, in me, I can calm the storms of your life. I am far beyond the things that we see. Let's continue on in verse 53. It says this. So that's the end of that story. So now they're in the boat. They're good. They're across the land in verse 53. And our last point, it says this. When they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Our last point is this. Do you recognize Jesus or do you recognize Jesus? This whole story is talking about people recognizing others. Jesus, three miles out, what happens? He sees his disciples in distress. Jesus walks to them, focused on them. When Jesus gets to them, they don't see him and they see a ghost. When Peter, and Mark doesn't talk about this, but when he, when he gets to them, Peter calls out, Lord, if it is you, uh, call me over and I'll walk to you. Then Peter walks on water and then he's walking with Jesus and then he gets distracted and so he sinks because he's not focused on Jesus. When Jesus saw Peter sinking, he picked him up. When Jesus fed the 15,000, they didn't recognize or see Jesus. When Jesus walked on water, they didn't really see Jesus. The point is, you can be really close to Jesus, but also not see him at the same time. 
Jesus is offering each of us an opportunity to see him deeper and more intimately. Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Going through the storms of life will develop perseverance. And in the same way, Jesus is offering you an opportunity to see him. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever is happening, I want to encourage you to see Christ because he definitely sees you. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never accepted him as your savior, if you've never wanted to make him Lord of your life, do that today. Because Jesus wants to walk through the storms of life with you. Do that today. Do you recognize Jesus or do you really recognize Jesus? Because there are some people that may not know Christ. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to know him because he loves you and he cares for you and he sees you. For those of us who already know Jesus and have been walking with the Lord for a long time, don't forget that he still sees you in the space and area that you are, uh, that we are in our lives. And he, seed, uh, he saw us enough to die for us and to care for us and to love us and to be with us. I will be with you always, right? I will be with you always. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to transition to a time of communion. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you love us. I thank you that you see us. I thank you that you are with us. Although when you show up, we don't always recognize it, Lord, but we know that you are there and you are here and you are in the spaces in our lives even though we don't know it. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.